Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. I like that music. Oh, it gets me just ready to roll, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome to South Coast Christian. I'm Pastor Tom pastor here at the church and we're so grateful that you're here today uh, worshiping with us and if you're joining us online thank you for making uh, a priority that uh, you're attending church today even through the uh, technology of being at home and watching us online as well and so I love that last song God of Revival you know we need a revival amen we need a revival in our hearts personally we need a revival in the church we need a revival in our country in the world and so let's continue to just man, pour out our hearts and ask for God's... Re- you know, Brett shared uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, something can't be revived unless it comes to a place of dead. What's, what's, what's come in your life that has come, fallen to a dead place that you need to revive again? The things of God and those things that God is calling upon you. Only you know what God is working in your heart. So let's believe in faith. Let's trust God and let's revive those things again. Amen? Uh, so um, before we get, begin, I want to dismiss Echo Jehi. Give him a round of applause. Thank you guys for worshiping with us. And uh, thank you for being here today. You guys are the coolest cats ever. Is that still a term? I don't know. Anyhow, I'm getting old, so he's got to go with me on this. Uh, hey, before I get started, I want to welcome good friends of mine, Paul and Debbie Anderson, uh, right here in the front. And uh, we wanted to say thank you for being here. Uh, many of the stories I tell have to do with Paul on a Sunday morning because we're good friends and, and maybe with Debbie and so anyhow. But they're visiting us uh, this weekend and it's just been a pleasure to have them with us this week. Um, we're in a series called Jesus Said and it's really a study of the parables of Jesus. And if you know anything about Jesus, um, Jesus is a phenomenal teacher. He was an amazing teacher that just could all of a sudden bring the truth out that could touch people's lives. And many times one of the tools that he used to teach was with parables. And parables were just short stories, they were fictitious stories that he would bring alongside of a truth that he said, man, I want to drill this home. And he'd bring this parable alongside of that truth. And many times, even when Jesus was sharing these parables, sometimes after he shared the parables... Uh, he'd have to go with his disciples uh, location and start to explain what the parable meant because it kind of went right. Even though they're simple stories, the truth many times is kind of hidden. It, it went right over their heads and he would share the truth of what he was trying to bring about. And, and he shared these parables to, to reveal a deeper truth that needs to touch our hearts and our lives. So our goal for this series, it's an eight-week series that ties in with our life groups. Um, every week we're digging deeper into to each parable in our life group. But our goal for this series is to discover what Jesus really said in his parables. Last week I shared from Matthew chapter 13 about the kingdom of heaven. How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand. Okay, come on somebody. Awesome. I shared about the kingdom of heaven. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, you can still catch it online uh, through our website. And you know, one of the things that hit me so hard last week is that we don't talk enough about the kingdom of heaven. We live here on this earth. Which is great, it's, got, it's God's creation, which is awesome, and we're called to enjoy it. But this is just a drop in the ocean compared to what eternity is going to be. And kingdom of heaven is really something that we need to introduce into our heart and our life on a daily basis. Because that's where we're going to spend eternity. And the gateway to the kingdom of heaven is... Okay, whoo! Wow, 
You guys really scared me right there. Man, I'm so glad you said Jesus. I didn't know if there was, there was a big pause there. I, yeah. That's why we're learning about what Jesus said, okay? So this week, I want to share from Luke chapter 15, the gospel of Luke chapter 15. If you're watching us online, I just encourage you to open up your Bible. Just leave it open to Luke 15. That's where we're going to study. If you're here today, open up your iPads or your iPhones. There's no football this week, so you don't have to be distracted. So just get to the Word of God. And uh, so Luke chapter 15, uh, this entire chapter is focused on lost things. It starts off with the lost sheep, and then it goes to the lost coin, and then it goes to the lost son. If you remember last week when we were in Matthew chapter 13, it was seven parables about the kingdom of heaven. This week we have three parables that are focused on lost things. Many times Jesus would use multiple parables on the same subject to really bring emphasis to a particular truth. Let's look at the three parables in Luke 15. And for just a moment, I just want to kind of unpack the setting because so many times we just read God's word in our setting, where we're at, what we're doing, but we never really think about what was the setting where Jesus was when all of a sudden he's sharing these three parables about lost things. Um, in verse 2 of Luke 15, we see that it was common for tax collectors and prostitutes and those people that uh, many thought were notorious sinners. They would love to surround Jesus. They were sitting at Jesus' feet. Sometimes he had to get into a boat just because the crowds were so big. And they came to hear the stories of Jesus. They came to hear what was Jesus going to do today? What miracle was Jesus going to perform today? And they were gathered around uh, in listening to Jesus' stories. These were the ones that the Pharisees, and when I say Pharisees or Sadducees, they were the religious leaders of the day. They're the ones that the and they were also there. It says in Scripture, Pharisees, because they were always challenging Jesus. They were always concerned. Why were they so concerned? Because Jesus was about lost things, and the Pharisees weren't about lost things. In fact, it irritated them that Jesus would spend so much time with these sinners, these tax collectors. I mean, oh my gosh, IRS agent, that's the bottom of the barrel. If you're an IRS agent, we love you here today, okay? If you're watching us online, we love, this is New Testament, you know, back in Jesus' day. But they couldn't understand how they could, how Jesus could associate himself with these people as such sinful people. Think about this. I'm sure um, you've seen people who have completely gone out of their way. Let's say there's a homeless person standing on the corner and, and they're, they're walking. And instead of taking the crosswalk towards them, they walk all the way around. They don't want to get you know, too close to the homeless person. Maybe it's because maybe he hasn't bathed for a while and he's dirty. Or maybe his you know, clothes are kind of messed up or whatever else. They don't want to be a part of that. They, they look at it and they move on. Maybe you've done that and, and you know, we, just, we don't want to deal with it at this point. Can I tell you something? Thank you. <laughs> Jesus is never concerned about a person who is physically unclean. You can read the scriptures. He was never concerned about a person who hadn't gotten a bath or about someone who was a physical. What he was concerned about was, was the religious people of the day who, who pretended Pretended that their heart was pure and clean, but deep down in, they were filled with hatred and sin and jealousy in their life. That's who Jesus was concerned about. 
I want you to think about this is the environment, this is the atmosphere that Jesus steps in. Almost every single day of his ministry, he had both of this, but both crowds that were there present as he starts to share and as he starts to teach. And he teaches about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I've asked myself this question when I was studying and preparing this message, and I'm going to ask you this question, because sometimes it's just really good to ask questions and see where you are at. Two groups of people surrounded by Jesus. What group would you choose to be in? Would you be in the religious group? Or would you be in the group of sinners? Come on. Come on, it's, it's something you think about. Man, what group would I actually be attending? Would I be standing over the, the religious? Man, I would hope that I'm amongst the sinners. I would hope that when I'm in the presence of Jesus, I recognize that I'm just but filthy rags in the presence of Jesus. It's only by the grace of God that I am secured in my salvation. I would hope that I recognize that I need Jesus more than anything else in my life. It's something that we just need to continually check in our life because it's very easy to go down the road of the Pharisees and start becoming judgmental and condemning all those things. And God has not called us to do that. In fact, Jesus said, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but to what? Save the world. That's what he was called to do. In Jesus' in, in day, the Jewish culture was based on a class system. It was driven by your social status or your success in life. It was a class system that avoided or shunned the less fortunate. Your status was measured by your accomplishments, by your successes, by your, by your outward actions and obeying the law. It was, it was actually, so many times it was, it was measured by your possessions. What did you own? In Luke chapter 16, verse 14, it states this word, these words, that the Pharisees were lovers of money. And we know that that's the one thing we're not supposed to be called, is to be lovers of money. They were not lovers of God. They had fallen in this, in this trap of loving their possessions and the religious systems that they had built around them, that they had established. It was all about success. Even the church can get caught up in that, where it's all about success. And not, nothing wrong with success. I mean, I believe that God wants us but that shouldn't be the main priority of our life in the sense of what can we accomplish in the sense of what can I gain personally. Jesus is having to deal with this type of thinking. A condemning environment, quick to judge and look down upon others. So Jesus came into this environment and he was going to create a new environment. Our, our vision statement, creating a new environment, see what God can do. He was creating a new environment. An environment that would be towards loving all people. An environment that truly cared about the hurting and the less fortunate, Jesus was changing culture. In all three of these parables, the emphasis is placed on God's love for the lost. Notice there's a progression in all three of the parables. When we talk about the parable of the lost sheep, it was one lost sheep, there was 100 sheep, one was lost, 99 we left behind to, to save the one. In the next parable, it was about the lost coin. There was ten lost or ten coins. One was lost. And probably the coin had something to do with a, a wedding necklace or something very valuable. And the one was lost, so there's a progression. And then he gets to the one of the lost son. There's two sons, one is lost. Now, this is the one that probably all of a sudden had the greatest impact because the thought of losing a son to the sinful pleasures of this world. 
that would have been seen as the greatest loss amongst all the people. Jesus is bringing about the importance of finding the lost. The lost should not be discarded. The lost should be our highest priority in our life. Think about this thought. The purpose of the church is not just for you and me. If the purpose of the church ever becomes about just you and me, we're failing as a church. The purpose of the church is about people who are still not here yet. It's about reaching the lost. The, the heart of the Heavenly Father is about those who have been strayed away, those who are outside of His presence. He wants them in His presence. That's what these three parables are all about. So today, I want to t- focus on the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. This parable is probably one of the most beautiful examples of God's love that you can read throughout the entire Bible. It's a beautiful portrayal of who, what God's love is and who God is. And it's really a portrayal of what we should be like, of how we should love others. A spiritual definition of loss, just for everybody's on the same page as I go, move through this. It's those who have either never experienced Christ or have fallen away from Christ, from Jesus. It's basically those who are separated from God's presence. And so we're going to take the moment... And this is a long parable, the prodigal son, one of the longest ones in the Bible, might be the longest one. But I just felt, I was going to cut it up and not share, but I just felt the Lord say, you know what, read my word. And so today we're going to read God's word. So follow along with me, Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs started to look good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced his son and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants, what was going on? Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, 
all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, and I pray, God, that your word will come to life to us. Lord, I ask that the power of your Holy Spirit will penetrate our hearts and our minds. And Lord God, that you would bring about change in each one of our lives, Lord God, so we can continue to draw closer to you and be more like you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? There's five truths that I want to share very quickly with you today about God's love. And I hope you take away these truths and apply it to your life. The first one that I want to share with you is found in verse 20. Is that God's love endures. It endures. When the son finally returns to his father's home, we see that the father has been waiting. He was looking for his lost son. Even when the son was far away, uh, far off, I'm imagining that every single day his father came out on his porch and just waited. And was looking for his son to return. Every single day. The love was so great. That love was enduring. He's looking out in the distance. His father finally spotted him. The father never gave up hope on his son. He was continually searching for his son's return. The truth I want to share from this is there are times in our life where our love is called upon to endure. And enduring is not easy. Enduring is difficult. When all of a sudden you see someone going down a road, it might be a child, it might be a parent, a brother, a sister, a friend. And all of a sudden, they're going the right, wrong direction. And sometimes we get so aggravated with them. We can get so upset. What in the world? And we, our, our heart starts to turn away the wrong direction. What God calls us, just like our Heavenly Father, we are called to endure. We are called to love. Our love should continue to endure even through the pain, even through the difficulty. We never give up hope. We never give up faith. We are filled with faith and hope, believing that the God of miracles can change this situation around because we have our faith in Jesus Christ. Psalms 136 states this. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. If you read that psalm, Psalms 136, you will find out that his love endures forever is repeated 26 times in that one psalm. His love endures forever. His love, you think David is trying to tell us something? His love endures forever. His love, en- doesn't matter what, his love endures, doesn't matter what you're doing, his love is enduring for you. His love is continuing. Doesn't matter if you went and did this yesterday, his love is enduring for you. It doesn't matter what you're doing, his love is there. And it's an example of how our love should be for our friends and for our family. Our love is enduring. I don't know if you ever thought about how much God's love endures for you. He never gives up on you. Continually searching for you. Paul writes it this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 7. He says, love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful. And endures through every circumstance. I was thinking about that as I read that passage of scripture. I thought, how's my love meter? 
We're coming up to Valentine's Day. You guys better get it together, okay? I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter if it's COVID or not. You better have things ready to roll, okay, for your, for your, for your wife. So just, or your, yeah. I guess wives are supposed to have something ready to go for the husbands too. But we get, better get ready. Man, it always falls heavier on you, though. You've got to get ready. So let's go. How's your love meter? When you're dealing with a person that's just frustrating, is your love meter just kind of just tanked out? Do you not have a love that's enduring? Is, is it a critical attitude? Is, it, is all of a sudden everything comes out, starts to become negative and all these? So, you know, sometimes we just need to fill up the love meter. How do we fill up the love meter, Pastor Tom? How do we fill up the t- In the presence of God. In worship. In spending time with God. All of a sudden he fills you with his love. And now all of a sudden you got something to give back out. We need God's love in our life. So that we, guess what? We can reach those who need Jesus. Amen? Let's put on the mind of Christ. And let's let our love endure through difficulty. Second takeaway is that God's love embraces. Notice the reaction of the father. He doesn't stay at the doorstep waiting for his son to arrive. He runs to his son and he embraces him. He loves on him. Think about this. This son had been feeding the pigs. This son is sleeping in there. You know how bad he must have stunk? We had a skunk just a couple weeks ago that got our, got our dog. And everybody was thinking that we were smoking marijuana or something everything else because we stunk like this. And you know what? We just figured it out, guys. We had COVID over Thanksgiving. Annette and I, our smell hasn't come back completely. So we're not even smelling things normally. So we're going like, what? Do you, do you smell? We're sniffing each other, figuring out if we smell before we leave out the house, you know? Crazy times. This father, he sees his son from long, far off. He doesn't tell his servants, hey, go get my son. Go give him a bath. He stinks, man. I can tell from all over. Give him a bath. Give him all cleaned up. And then I'll go and greet him. No, 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 no. The father just runs out. Braces his son. Gives him a big old kiss. He don't care if there's mud on his face. Gives him a big old kiss. My son that was lost is now found. This is my son. This is my son. It reminds me, for some of you today, maybe you're watching online, this is a word for you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you turn back towards God, he's going to embrace you. He's going to love you with all your faults, with all your failures, with everything. He's going to embrace you and kiss you and he's going to love you. Because my son that was lost, my daughter that was lost, guess what? I have found her. I have found him. He loves you. He embraces you. It's a beautiful example of God's grace. God doesn't wait for us to all get all cleaned up. God, man, is just waiting for us to come to him. He will love you through it all. The son had this speech prepared to share with his father, but not necessarily at the level that he wanted to do because he recognized already the brokenness and the humility of his son. He was ready to accept him back completely. God cares for you, and he loves you, and you are his creation. Are you ready to embrace the lost things that God loves? I was thinking about that as I was preparing this. I started thinking about, you know, sometimes to embrace lost things requires that you're willing to get a little dirty. Are you ready to get a little dirty sometimes? It's okay. Jesus didn't hide away. From those who were lost, he went out and embraced them. And that's what we're called to do. 
as children of God. Amen? The third truth that we see in this parable is that love responds. Verse 22, immediately after his son gave a speech regarding uh, that he was no longer worthy to be called his son, the father responds with complete acceptance. He responded. There is no hesitation. In fact, there, you really understand, if you re- read through that parable again, read, and I encourage you to read through that this week, read through that parable again. The, 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 the prodigal son, the lost son, he was talking to himself. He was out there feeding the pigs. Man. My servants eat better than this. My father's servants have better food than what I even have. You know what? I'm going to go to my father. If you remember the story, he said, I'm going to, I have, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. In fact, Father, all you need to do is hire me back as a servant. That's what he said. Guess what? The son only got to the first part of it. He never got to the second part because, man, the father interrupts the, the son's speech. He said, huh. Servants, go get the robe, the finest robe that you can find in my house. Go get a ring because I want to put it on his finger. Go get sandals for his feet because the son that was lost is now found. He interrupted the son because he knew the brokenness. He knew the humility that his son was coming back with. You see, love responds in a positive and a phenomenal way. The finest robe reminds me of what Jesus does for each one of us when he clothes us with his righteousness. We take on the righteousness of Christ. We are but filthy rags, but man, because of the sacrifice of Christ, we put on his righteousness on our life. It's what Paul refers to as putting off the old man and putting on the new. We're given this beautiful gift of righteousness. The father puts this beautiful robe on his son that covers all of the sins and the stains from the past. He is a new creation. The old life has, is gone and a new life has begun. Secondly, the father asked his servants to bring a ring and put it on his finger. A ring was a symbol of wealth and position and honor. Some rings actually represented that you belonged to a certain family. Now remember, the son was only asking to be accepted as one of the servants, and the father had nothing to do with that. No, you are my son, and don't you ever forget it. You are my child. You belong with me. When we choose to come home to our Heavenly Father, He restores us back to the original position that He created us in the very beginning, and that was to be His child. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. He restores us back to our original destination. Total acceptance. The third way the Father responds is by putting on His Son sandals on His feet. It's another way to demonstrate the rightful position of His Son. Similar to what the Apostle Paul refers to as the armor of God, the shoes of peace. These shoes come about from the good news of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about that. It's the foundation that we stand on. When we have the righteousness of Christ in our life, when we understand the good news that we are no longer destined to death because of our sin, but no, we are able to live with God because of his righteousness, all of a sudden we are planted into a foundation. Our feet all of a sudden planted in a way. His son walked in probably barefoot. He had no shoes. He said, look, put shoes on his feet. He is my child. You know what? The righteousness of Christ sets us in a foundation where we have the We have shoes of peace, a foundation that we can build our life upon. The fourth truth that we see in God's love is that his love celebrates. Just take a moment here. 
I think this is what we were missing in our lives, celebration. I think we missed that in the church, celebration. We need to be happy people. We need to be the happiest people on earth. It's not Disneyland. It's shut down, guys. The church is open. We need to be the one that's the happiest one. And, amen? Come on. The father wasted no time in celebrating his son's return. He told his servants, man, go kill that fatted calf. We've been waiting for this moment, and we are going to party. I'm talking porterhouse steak. I'm talking double, the, 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 the twice-baked potatoes that Elaine makes that are so good. They're crispy. You put, oh, they're mixed with sour. Oh, it was a feast. It was time to celebrate. It was time to eat. Sometimes in life, we just forget to celebrate the victories in life. We just get so accustomed to the blessings of God. We don't just slow down enough to celebrate. Man, the father had been waiting for this. He had been waiting for the return of his son. And nothing was going to stop that celebration. David writes, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can we say that together today? I'm going to say it and then you repeat it after me. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Something good happens when we celebrate together, when we celebrate the victories that the Lord is doing in, in through our life. The father's son had returned home. And I want you to catch this. In every one of the parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, every one, read them, there is a time of celebration. In every parable, when whatever was lost was found, there was a time of celebration. It was a time of rejoicing. Jesus says it this way in verse 7 of Luke 15. He says, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and, and haven't strayed away. We all like the comeback. Come on. We, sports fans out here, anybody? Come on. We like the comeback. I'm predicting a Tom Brady comeback this next Sunday. I'm just telling you, he's the comeback kid. He does, he'll do it. Last year, and I'm not a Kansas City fan. Any Kansas City Chief fans in here? Cup one. Okay, awesome. You're on the right team. Last year, if you remember them in the playoffs, every game they were behind. And then Patrick Mahomes somehow, all of a sudden, miraculously brings them back from 10 points, 14 points. We all, it doesn't, there's something in you that just, even if it's not my team, I want to cheer them on. Look at what he's doing, man. We celebrate the comebacks. We should celebrate the comeback, comebacks in the church. Celebrate the victories of others. Jesus said, all of heaven celebrates when one lost sinner comes back to Jesus. The parable of the lost son is different than the two previous or the two other lost parables. Because Jesus takes time to talk about the one who chooses not to celebrate. Those who become jealous of how God blesses. When the older brother had returned home and from the field and discovered that there was a party going on, that his father had completely forgave his younger brother and, and he welcomed him back into the family, he became angry and he became jealous. We are going to celebrate that Little brat of mine, are you kidding me, Dad? Do you realize what he did with my inheritance? Your, do you realize what he did with your money, Dad? He went on and he spent it on prostitutes and stupid living and all these kind of things, and you're just going to welcome him back. Are you kidding me? 
He wasted your inheritance, God, my inheritance, took advantage of your kindness. Are we really going to just forget about that, Dad? You see, sometimes we get lost. I'm talking about those who are claiming to be found. We get lost sometimes. We have a tendency to focus on people's sins instead of focusing on their journey back to God. We're not called, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came to save the world. We're not, come, we're not, calling, we're not here to all of a sudden pass judgment on everybody. We're not call, what we're calling, we're calling people back to their journey to get right with God. While we are focused on people's sins, God is focusing on the return to grace. Forgiveness is a powerful weapon that destroys the bondage of jealousy, the bondage of hate, the bondage of sin. Love celebrates people finding freedom of Christ. If you're struggling in your life, if you have all some critical attitude and all of a sudden everything becomes negative, I can get that way very easy, by the way. I know I'm a pastor. I thought you were perfect. No, I'm far from perfect, just FYI. And I can get there. I have the propensity just to have a critical eye on things. Ask my staff. They'll tell you this. It's true. And there's times I have to just set my heart back and get right it's not about that. It's about reaching people for Jesus. What is wrong with you, Tom? Sometimes we just need to reset ourselves and recalibrate how we're looking at things. Love celebrates people finding freedom in Christ. Last thing I want to share with you. Love continues to endure. What do I mean by that? The parable ends. It's kind of an interesting parable because you you get all this excitement. There's a party happening on. And all of a sudden the parable just kind of, it's that sad story at the end that just ends. Like, really? It's like that movie you're watching, you know, and all of a sudden the, the person that you risk all of a sudden dies in the end. Are you kidding me? And you watch two hours. You wasted your time. And you, you hate that movie. You never want to watch it again. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, ah! The parable ends with this unhappiness of the older brother. The heart of the older brother had drawn so cold to the father's love and to the father's grace Instead of being happy that his younger brother had returned, that the, the young son of his father is back into the home, all of a sudden he's just filled with jealousy and hate. In this parable, the older brother represents the Pharisees. And just like the older brother who was upset at his father, the Pharisees were so upset at Jesus. Really, Jesus? You're going to spend time with these sinners? and you're What's going on? Worse yet, catch this. This was something that just kind of as I was reading God's word, it was kind of a revelation to me that just popped out in my head. It's like, oh my gosh, I haven't really seen this. When Jesus came back to the earth, where was he performing the miracles? Where was he doing all the miracles? Where was he healing the sick? Where was he, you know what? So much of it was taking place amongst the community of sinners. It wasn't in the community of the Pharisees. Think about it. All of a sudden, these religious leaders, they're having to go out into the common places to find the works and the miracles of Jesus. Sound familiar? Father, you never gave me a goat. You never gave me anything to party with my friends. Jealousy. The Pharisees had drawn cold to the love and forgiveness of God. They didn't even understand the grace of God. They were so lost. And the scary thing is that they, even, they didn't even know that they were lost. They had become what they had despised. Sinners who were rebelling against God. You see, yeah, the younger son, he left home and rebelled against the father and wanted his inheritance early. We get all that. 
But really, guess what? The younger son came back and the older son did exactly what the younger son did. Even though he didn't leave home, his heart rebelled against his father. Now the love of the father returns. Returns to waiting for the older brother's heart to change. The love continues to endure. This parable should remind all of us that at one point, we are all heaven. We've all been lost. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Glory. The heart of the gospel is recognizing and understand, understanding this one truth, that we're all saved by the grace of God. There's not one of you that are going to be able to go, every single one of you in this room, every person that's watching online right now, we all get to heaven through the same avenue, through the same door. It is through the grace of God. It's through Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And for me, my whole message that I wanted to share with you today is let's get excited about the lost. Let's get excited about those that might not be, that might not know Christ yet, that might be separated. And guess what? I have discovered this one truth. So many are just waiting. They're just waiting for someone to come next next to them and say, hey, can I help? Can I love you? Don't go be a freak and go, you're going to go to hell if you don't commit, turn your life around for Jesus. Don't do that, please. That's not going to win anybody to Jesus. You do what the Father does. Sin and all. You embrace them. Hey, can I help you? See, my life got changed. A few years back, I discovered this truth that just changed my... What, what, what did you say? It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus. It can be so easy. And guess what? You can be an element of truth that helps the lost be set free. And when you do that, all of heaven rejoices because guess what you're doing what the father wants you see the church is not for us sitting here right now in this place the church is for those who are still not yet here let's bring them in let's trust god amen lord we thank you for your love we thank you for your goodness thank you for your word today lord i pray that you would help each and every one of us lord god to be set free from those things that continue to try to hold us at times in life and god that we would understand the love that you have for each and every one of us. Help us to walk in that love this week, Lord God. Help us to make a difference in our community. Help us to be a light in the darkness. Let us, Lord God, chase after the darkness and help people find freedom through Jesus Christ. If you're here today, watch us online or in this place, and you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never made a choice to follow after Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can make that commitment. Jesus didn't make it difficult. He doesn't even require that you have to sign a membership paper. He doesn't require any of that. All he says is all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, and you shall be saved. If you today are here and you want to believe in Jesus Christ, you have victory in him. We love you here at South Coast Christian. Stand with me today. We're going to worship God. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.